Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I get to introduce to you a fairly new friend of mine. We met at an exponential event. His name is Victor Glover, and uh, he is the director of the Southeast Region of the Churches of God, and he's doing some very interesting things with micro churches. Uh, Victor, welcome to the podcast. Yes, Ralph. Glad to be here, buddy. Glad to be here with you. So as we get started, I, I want you to just give us, a, you know, the, the, the elevator speech version of the stuff that you're doing. Then I'd like you to kind of go in and t- give, give us your own personal testimony, and then we'll yeah. get into the nuts and bolts of what God is, pretty exciting things God's doing through you guys. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, so um, so I'm going to just say I've been pastoring off and on probably 18 years now. Um Maybe like 12 years ago, this whole church planning thing came into fruition, me going to a church planning conference at Liberty University, which is my alma mater, uh, by the way, and uh, which I just recently graduated in June um, uh, with my bachelor's in religion and biblical and theological studies. Um, and so that it, it really opened me up to a whole new perspective, and I felt that it was the, the nudge that God was saying, this is the, the next direction that I was going. I ended up seeing a flyer and the flyer was uh, the 2020 initiative from the ERC, which is the Eastern Regional Conference of the Churches of God. And uh, it led me to call the multiplication or the director then uh, for church planning, Chuck Frank. I left a message. He called back and was like, look, I'm coming to see you. And so that opened the door for this whole new journey about church planning. And then um, it, it just moved in the last in these last 12 years, I ended up coming on staff. I became the church planning specialist for the Southeast region. Um, and things just kept moving. I sat on the multiplication commission. Then I went on the national, which is our churches of God national mobilization uh, commission, uh, mobilizing disciples. And from that point, I knew that as the, the passion I have, um, especially for prison ministry was beginning to evolve. You know, coming to Exponential just opened my whole world up. Uh, you were a defining moment in my life, hearing you for the first time, like I think 2018, and it just took a paradigm shift. Uh, what I was being taught and learned was something new coming from a traditional old school type of setting um, in an urban way of, uh, you know, doing the, the, the whole African-American church thing. And, and I wanted to be evolved. I wanted to be more than just that. And so I took in and I learned this stuff and began to apply in a way that I saw how a better way to do ministry, even in prison. Um, and so I had been doing prison ministry for 25 years and uh, and, and things just began to take off. Uh, and this whole thing, that, that you know, with this whole church planning and, and just learning all about that. And, and then, uh, like I said, you were a defining moment and then being a part of the multiplier cohorts for exponential, all those things begin to be like a melting pot of like a good pot of gumbo. 
And I begin to, <laughs> to put all the pieces together and, and, and man, it, it began to taste real good. And I said, we're going to figure this thing out and have a clear pathway. And so that led me to present day. Like now we have a movement. It's not no longer a program. And so that leads me to Fathers on the Move. So Fathers on the Move. Oh, don't don't, don't get us into Fathers on the Move now. Okay. Uh, I want you to back up a little bit. Uh, and um, and, and the people who are listening are going, okay, so uh, how, how did Victor become a pastor? How did he become a Christian? Okay. Uh, so tell us a little yeah. bit about you. Yeah. Then yeah. get us into Fathers on the Move. Okay. But, but I saw there's a gap in what, in my understanding, okay. and that is when you become a regional church planting director, A, you must have planted some churches for them to have yes. confidence in you. Yes. And B... You you must be overseeing stuff besides father on the fathers on the move. Yes. So yes. I, I want to I want the I want the whole pot of stew here <laughs> right, okay. before we get done. But for right now, right. I want to know young Victor Glover and and yes. and how you got to be you. Yes. So um so yeah, some twenty five years ago, I think it was around nineteen ninety six. Um, I had a, a radical encounter with Jesus in prison. I, I was actually getting ready to do my third bid, which is my third trip back to the prison for violating my parole because on the first two, I was just trying to figure out a better way to distribute to being a, you know, pharmaceutical distribution. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and it took me down a road, but in the end, I had a praying grandmother who did not give up on her, her baby. And, and so that praying grandmother um, who walked the floor at night, kept praying and fasted and all that good stuff. And finally, on that third trip, going back in 1996, things that had been prophesied or spoken over my life came to fruition. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to interrupt you for a second. You, I, I, I bet probably a half dozen, maybe, maybe 10 pastors who have a very similar story. They were, they were involved in the illicit pharmaceutical industry and they had a praying grandma and when they were young words were spoken over them and god was faithful and uh to me just looking at you sitting here talking to me is evidence of the power of the holy spirit in your life and it's it's amazing amazing thing so go ahead yeah take us from there yeah and um and so uh, and so when I found myself in a, in a position of, uh, I, I remember leaving society for the third time, and I knew that it was a wrap. It, it was only one or two ways this thing can go from here. And I was tired, bro. I mean, Ralph, I was tired. And, and I called home from that, you know, I like to call it Wake County Jail, Fifth Floor Yellow Park, which is Raleigh, North Carolina, which is my hometown. And when I got off the phone with her, she was she was like, son, are you tired yet? Are you gonna keep doing this to yourself? And and for the first time in my adult life, when I got off the phone, I looked to my right and there was a fake mirror. Okay. They, so they got fake mirrors in the in the jail. And and in a fake mirror, I saw myself. And I did not like what I saw in myself for the first time, I believe, as an adult. And I said, boy, what are you going to do about it? What, I mean, are you are you tired yet? And the ones that love you the most, look what you're doing. And so that moment, I could not contain it no more. I just let go. 
wrath. I just let it go. And 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 the Holy Spirit just come over me. Um, and I began to cry out, okay, right there. And I didn't hold back. I just, I was done. And the whole dorm just stopped. Like, <laughs> just everything shut down. And my street name, aka Big Cheese, that was my my you know, my street name out there. They thought I didn't go plumb crazy in there. And actually I did. Crazy, you know, I lost some stuff that day. And and I'm gonna tell you what happened. A little guy walked up to me, Ralph, and said, Sir, I don't know what you just did with God, but I want the same thing. Wow. And I told that young man, I said, Well, just throw your hands up. I didn't know all this coming to Jesus. I just, I just turned it over and I just told God I was tired. And Lord, here I am. If, if you be the God, this little brown Gideon Bible, and that's what they give out in the jailhouse. Here I am. I'm done. And and sure enough, that little guy gave his heart to Christ that day. And the bells, everything just stopped and was like, did you just see what you just, just happened? I mean, like, really? And it wasn't even 20 minutes later, the guards came in and took him out because he was a juvenile. They had put him in the wrong dorm. Wow. And 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 literally God dealt with me with life. That was my first soul I ever led to Jesus. And that was a rap. Wow. Nobody had to tell me nothing else, Ralph. Then nobody have to that that was it. I knew what if time it was. And then I went on to prison on the seventh night. I started, I mean, when I left. I started fasting. My grandmother kept telling me, boy, you better get some power. And, and, and I started fasting. I wanted God just to fill me up. And I'm here to tell you, Ralph, on the seventh night of me fasting in prison, a preacher came in there. I remember them calling religious, sir. I ran down there. And this man was on fire. I mean, he preached. He, he stopped in the middle of his message and said, listen, somebody here has been crying out to God that just won't just Jesus like, like he like nothing else. And I said, man, that's me. And I'm going to tell you what, that day I jumped up, he laid hands on me and I had an encounter, laid me out in there. And and and, and that was it. Uh, from that moment, I went on to start Bible studies. Uh, that moment, I went on to start preaching out on the yard like Paul did. Um, that moment was the defining moment in my life. And I began to walk ministry out inside of this so that was my training ground i'm i'm in there laying hands with baby oil we're gonna get no bless oil so we <laughs> we consecrated baby oil <laughs> praise the lord and um and that was that was it and and when i got out i'm gonna tell you the testimony with that was i never forget they called me to the sergeant's office and tell me that my grandfather had just passed i was trying my best to get home to lay hands on him but he heard me becoming the man of god who i was becoming and, and he passed away. And in the same day, they called me back and said, well, they denied your parole on the same day. And I just threw my hands and said, Lord, I'm working it out. I'm walking it out in here. And then finally, it was just like he, a comment said, your work is not yet done. And they shipped me from my home camp. Here's the a, here's a story. They shipped me. And when they shipped me, they shipped me to a camp that uh, I did not understand why they were sending me there. But then when I got there, I knew what it was. The inmates didn't have any type of ministry going on between them. So God took me up there to start a church. Hear me, Ralph, to plant the church with the with the inmates. And then I never forget the, the warden was watching me work it out on the yard, doing what I was doing. And the outside people couldn't make it in. And this is totally against DOC policy. That's Department of Correction. The warden came and asked me, sir, would you lead service? Would you preach the message tonight? I said, what? Absolutely. And let me tell you that night, some guards gave their life to Christ wow. in that message. 
And that night, I'll forget it. What type of man are you? This is 1998. And, and by that time, we started the church. Guys who were being called into ministry were stepping up. We got things going up there. And I'll never forget calling home. My grandmother said this, Ralph. She said, what were you doing up there? I said, why do you mean? She said, I don't know. The parole people didn't call. Tell me, you coming home. And, and lo and behold, I like to say the devil kicked me out of prison. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, and, they, and they let me go. They turned me down and brought me back up and released me. Wow. And, and from that point, two months being released, I preached my initial sermon, became a minister. Two months after being released. Third month after being released, I called the chaplain, told him, I said, look, I, I didn't got my license. I kept kept it real. He said, look, I'm about to pull some strings. I want you to come back here and show these guys. Three months after being released, went back into the same prison that I had been in and preached in front of 350 men. About 150 of them gave their life to Christ. And from this day, Ralph, I've been serving at one prison 25 Wow. Wow. 25 years. To release the captives. And he's got you doing it. That's 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 amazing. Yeah. So now now take us into uh, because there's guys that are. I mean, we most of us are caught in a religious system. Yes. And uh, sometimes it's a help, and sometimes it's a hindrance. So so you had to kind of come up in that to get to the place where you are now, where you you have a voice uh, to kind of speak into the legacy church from what you're doing in the fresh new church. Right. So tell us how you, how you navigated through that and, and don't spend too much time on it. Cause I want to get okay. time into okay. uh, what you're actually, you know, the nuts and bolts yeah. of what you're doing. So Absolutely. guys could go, I could do that, you know, yeah. let's, let's, yeah. but tell it, tell us, cause everybody got yes. to navigate that, that monster okay. that's there. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, and 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 I thank ERC for this because they really exposed me. They 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 saw the hunger and they sent me to these all these trainers across the country. And I began to bring it back and apply it in, in our context. So I knew that the legacy church, how could we move them? And so in doing that, I wanted to develop to show them that hey, anybody can do this in any context, okay? Whether it's rural, urban. Anybody can do this. And so I began to develop a blueprint of how to be able to reach this population, okay, and not only reach them, but then begin to train them and understand them. Because that's another thing. A lot of times the legacies don't understand how to deal with or work with the population, especially guys returning back from incarceration. And so in doing so, I begin to show them how it could be done. I begin to plant churches. And 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 I begin to set up shop. You know, I know how to set up shop. You know, I just flipped that thing. And so now we begin to plant. And so and one of the things I knew coming out of predominantly white organization was I knew that our leadership had to be mixed. OK. And so I intentionally went after that and began to develop leaders who were from other cultures. And so our whole leadership team is, is like a melting pot. And so with that, I begin to show them how to be able to do this on a level that, okay, the, the legacy church can birth out um, a fresh expression because I believe we were doing a fresh expression before it even came fresh expressions, yeah. okay? Because I knew that we had to reach men and that was my target, all men, okay? I'm a fisherman. So I knew that when Jesus threw that net out there, told the disciples it was more than one type of species of fish in there. And so with that, I said, how can we catch fish. How can we catch all men? And so this is where I begin to see 25 years of doing prison ministry, guys would come and go, come and go. How can we stop that cycle? 
And so we develop a roadmap for anybody to be able to, to show them how to go into prison, to understand the language, to know how to go in and set up ministry in a context where, you know what, you can begin to develop leaders before they even come home. And then when they come home, now you already got developed leaders who are already walking it out. Now all they just need to do is come home and come right into your ministry. Okay. To And, and that's a whole lot of work that's being cut out. Okay. And, and so then, then what happens is, for you know, we started developing micro churches inside the prison. Okay. And so now it's evolved. I got I to gotta interrupt you again. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've been part of churches for all my adult life. Right. And um, all but one of them, we had prison ministry. And I think um, they see it as it, it limits itself to charity. We're, we're going to go in and show love and kindness to these people, which is part of it. Mercy, mm -hmm. grace, right. and it's evangelism. We're going to go in and preach the gospel. And so we show up one time a month and we do our little gig and different people come each time. And largely, I think we congratulate ourselves because we're doing something for those lonely prisoners. Right. And it's self-congratulation over not very much. You, you know, I, I have a friend in uh, who pastors in Las Vegas, and they did the same thing. They actually went on um, the, with the lifers. I don't think they have death row there, uh, but it was guys that were had committed murder. Right. They were planting churches, and the denomination that the guy was in actually gave pastors licenses to some of the, the pastors that were leading churches and prisons. But but you've you've managed to build together a template where a uh, a, a church which could be a, an asian church a white church whatever uh is able to take expand the prison ministry right. go into the to the prison develop leadership anticipating that when you come out of prison we're going to work with you and we're going to plant a church and the, the people in that church will look different from us and i think and i, I want to quit you know preaching here but i gotta say this i i think one of the things that that uh, figures into this, unfortunately, especially with you being African American, is a is a measure of racism. So mm -hmm. when I say the words "we're going to plant churches with people who are different than us," the instant thought of some people who are might be listening to this is, "Well, it's going to be a black church of guys that were incarcerated before." But not everybody in prison is an African American person. That's right, and. What what I learned, uh, because we were doing what we could in prison ministry, and one cool benefit I had in Hawaii was I was on the radio, and the the one pro, uh, station gave us a, a slot at 9 p.m. because we were doing a morning drive time broadcast, mm -hmm. and they had a and nobody listens to radio at 9 p.m. a.m. radio, mm -hmm. and so they gave us a free slot. Well, I started getting letters from from O C the the prison. Oahu Correctional uh, Criminal Correctional Center or whatever it's called, and we these guys would write me. I would write them back, and uh, and and then they actually even asked me, would we try to get the thing moved to nine thirty because nine p.m. was lockdown and the doors are all making noise and these guys couldn't hear the radio. So one guy comes out of jail, comes and asks me, would I do this? Well, here was the problem: these guys would come out of prison, they would be. African-American, very few, because there's very few African-Americans in Hawaii. They'd be Hawaiian, they'd be Chinese, they'd be Filipino, 
they'd be white, they'd be whatever, but they they all did not fit in a in a in a radically middle class church. You know, we we were extremely multi ethnic. Uh, our worship bands usually didn't have a white person among 13 people in the band with a white pastor. That's kind of a miracle. But we were we were radically middle class. And so these guys who have maybe grown up in the streets, they don't fit us. And it, it took uh, one guy, a, a guy who'd never been to prison, but he had been in gangs before, to decide to start microchurches for guys coming out of prison. We never got as far as you. We never started churches in the prison. But what I want to say to the people who are listening to this, don't make Victor and what he's saying into some sort of a racial reconciliation message. That's part of it, for sure. It's got to be part of it. But but understand, Victor is about something much bigger than this. And it, it's a it's a reconciliation to broken people who need Jesus and you need to go further than just, you know, doing your little bit, preaching the gospel in a jail. You could, you could learn from this man, Victor, and, and please, please, please pay attention to the stuff he's saying, because he's got a blueprint for all of us. And it not only will work with a prison population, it'll work in other underserved populations in our communities. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at Ralph Moore dot net.